Welcome to Made by Me, a podcast about entrepreneurship, self-discovery, manifestation, and magic. I'm Kaliska Sweetwater, a born and raised witch and owner of Polaris Jewelry. Today I want to talk about relationship abuse. I was, this is not going to be like a super dark episode, but um, I am going to be talking about my own experience and just information on this topic. I was in an abusive relationship close to five years ago now and um, the other day I was at a little birthday party situation and there was a little bit of gossip happening about someone who I didn't know who was definitely in an abusive situation and the way that the conversation went just really reminded me how little most people who haven't experienced something like this know about the topic and it was a group of people who are kind of new friends and they didn't know that I do already have a podcast and they were saying oh my gosh like you know so much you should have a podcast like talk about this and it's not something that I have wanted to have an exclusive episode on in the past because I feel like there's no way to get all of the information across fully because it's such a complicated topic. There are so many different elements to it, so many different aspects that are so critical and so multidimensional. Um, But I just kind of wanted to put a couple things out there because there is so many, there are so many misconceptions on what relationship abuse actually looks like versus how it's portrayed in the media, what makes someone vulnerable to relationship abuse, and the conversations that happen with the abuser and the um, victim not in the room just need to be better than what it is right now. And so that's, that's kind of where I'm coming from. I don't think this episode needs a trigger warning or anything like that. It's going to be primarily on the psychological and mental aspects of it because I think that those are the primary aspects that get misunderstood. Our society does a really good job of portraying relationship abuse at its most extreme, at the situation where the relationship has been in full swing for 10 years, it's gotten to the point of escalating to extreme violence, potential hospitalization, all of these aspects that don't occur in the beginning. And I think that when conversations happen where we're talking about victims as like, oh, you know, I never would have expected this of her. She was so strong. You know, she's such a strong person. It's so beyond off base because there's no one who is vulnerable to this you know everyone is vulnerable to this and being strong doesn't protect you from relationship abuse because a lot of abusers have social personality disorders and a social personality disorder the most common ones that people know about are sociopaths and psychopaths and If you have a social personality disorder, it basically means that you're missing the component of empathy in your chemical mental makeup. And when that happens, 
you don't have as much internal dialogue to occupy your thoughts. You don't have that component of guilt and shame that keeps us from diverging from social norms and safe behavior, especially in interpersonal relationships. And what really helped me heal and move on, because after my relationship, I spent a lot of time, several years doing research and trying to make sense of something that didn't make sense to me. And the reason that I stayed in the relationship as well was because I felt like this doesn't make sense. Like something... I must be doing something, something must be happening that I don't understand. Like, why doesn't this make sense? And all of this was kind of an exercise in trying to make sense of something that doesn't make sense. Because if you are in a relationship with someone, romantic or otherwise, who has a social personality disorder, they're operating within a different framework of reality. Because when someone lacks empathy, they view reality as a game. They view life as a game. And so when they see someone strong, when they see someone smart, when they see someone with a lot of conviction, they look at that person as a challenge. They look at that person as, ooh, if I can fuck with her, if I can fuck with them, then that means something impressive about me or that makes me feel like this rush or whatever the case may be and there were little glimpses of that little cracks in the screen of my relationship towards the end where I definitely saw that he got a real kick out of that um not in the moments where I was broken down but in the moments when I stood up for myself He enjoyed that more because he wanted a back and forth. He wanted it to be a game. And the fact that I am strong and the fact that I am fiercely opinionated and the fact that I am wildly independent, these were all positives in his mind of why he wanted to enter into this dynamic with me. It did not protect me from that abuse. It did not protect me from that relationship. It did not deter him from wanting to enter into that challenge and see how that game would play out. And I think that this is the main misconception that I want the general public to understand and I want everyone to know about themselves because I knew that I was strong and I knew that I was independent and I knew that no one could mess with me and that made me vulnerable. That's what made me not look for the red signs. That's what made me ignore these gut intuitions in the beginning because I thought, you know, my mom broke the chain of abuse. I'm immune. This can't happen to me because I'm immune. I'm too strong for this to happen to me. I'm too independent. This is not something that I'm vulnerable to. And I think that that framework is so prevalent in our society and I think it is the number one thing that makes people vulnerable. The idea that that would never happen to me because our perception of who that happens to is very otherized and it's a very specific looking at a version of a person 
who is specific, who has specific wounds, who has specific insecurities, who has specific self-worth issues. And it's all false. Every single person who we're picturing could be us. We just don't view it that way because we're living in this false idea of who relationship abuse happens to. And that brings me to another aspect that I want every single person to know is that relationship abuse is incredibly common. Relationship abuse has happened to one in three people, regardless of gender, regardless of um, sexual orientation, regardless of socioeconomic status. One in three people have experienced relationship abuse, and those are the reported numbers, right? So when you look at reported numbers, especially in a topic like this, you can basically guarantee that those are wildly underrepresented, representative of reality because most people don't report. A lot of men don't report because there's a huge stigma of if you are male and you are abused, People don't believe men as much about relationship abuse and men don't want to come forward as much. It's a lot easier to gaslight them, I would imagine. So I think that a lot of these numbers are underreported, but one in three, one in three. So if you have six friends, two of them have probably had abusive relationships, whether they will share that with you or not. And probably they won't, unless it comes up, unless they feel safe to do so. Uh, Probably a lot of people have experienced these things, and we just don't talk about it because there's a lot of shame, there's a lot of fear, there's a lot of misunderstanding, there's a lot of judgment that comes up. And it's exhausting to live in that. And that's another reason why I haven't done this episode in the past is because even though I have this kind of deeper understanding of this topic because of the fact that I experienced it and the fact that I did so much research after exiting my relationship to try and gain that understanding. I don't want to live in that reality. It's a lot healthier for me to just move forward and leave the past in the past. And I think that doing this episode and having all the information just out there so I don't have to wonder if I should be talking about it is going to allow me to leave it behind me. Walk forwards from it. So how does relationship abuse happen? Usually relationship abuse happens a little bit at a time and usually it happens in a relationship that starts off really well. So my relationship in the beginning was very positive. There was a lot of compliments, a lot of love bombing, which is basically just like buckets and buckets and buckets of like compliments, like all of this kind of fairy tale esque storytelling and like building this narrative of like, oh my gosh, like I feel so connected with you, but da da da, like just over the top, you know, and that's could be a first red flag. If something is too good to be true, definitely try and maintain a little bit of distance from it. So after this sort of love fest has enveloped you, 
maybe there'll be a little bit of nitpicking, a little bit of like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you said that. I can't believe you did that. And you'll be like, oh, like I thought that was totally normal, but like, okay, like that hurts you. Like I won't do that again. These little compromises start to happen. And what's happening there is basically they're trying to set you up so that when these bigger things come up, these bigger gaslighting topics, your baseline has been adjusted. So slowly these accusations will become bigger, this gaslighting will become more substantial, but it'll happen really slowly. Every couple of weeks, maybe another little thing, another little thing where it's like you did something wrong, but you don't feel like it's really wrong. Just this like twisting of your perception of reality, loosening your trust of your perception. And this is really, really a critical step that happens. And sometimes when I listen to information about relationship abuse, this comes up of like, well, why do you talk about this? Because then people are going to have the information and be able to abuse other people. And it's like the information's out there. There's a lot of interviews with serial killers. There's a lot of um, like all of this information exists. The people who want to abuse others already know all of this. It's it's not news to them. They're not going to listen to this and be like, ooh, this is the recipe that I've been waiting for. Like they went and searched it out. My ex would watch lots of videos of serial killers and murderers and that was a topic I was also interested in. So I didn't think it was creepy, but in hindsight, you can see things a lot more clearly and connect those dots. And definitely he was listening to what they were saying and perhaps gleaning some instruction from that information. Because manipulation is kind of formulaic. We like to think that our brains are very unique and very impervious, and it's just not true. Our brains are input-output and our nervous systems are easily hijacked. And that's what gaslighting does. If you can hijack someone's nervous system by accusing them of doing something that you are going to do or have done, it's, it's very simple, it's very easy, it's very effective. It's more effective than we like to admit. And I think we all need to have a very strong understanding of the fact that we're all vulnerable to having our minds manipulated and having our perception of reality manipulated whether it be politically or in a relationship we need to have a very strong connected conviction with our perception of reality and be uncompromising on that and this brings me to another aspect of what makes someone vulnerable to relationship abuse is empathy if you have empathy, you are susceptible to relationship abuse because for me, I've always had a very strong sense of empathy and this is not bragging or anything, but it's definitely an aspect of every interaction I always have. I'm always thinking, okay, how have they perceived this? How, how could I have misinterpreted this? How could I have framed this differently? Did they, did they understand what I was trying to communicate? Was I clear in presenting my aspect? How is their reality interacting with my reality? How is 
their personhood hearing what I'm saying because I'm very conscious of the fact that my reality is only one reality and that everyone's reality is one reality. I constantly am factoring theirs into mine. And so when I'm presented with a hurt feeling or, you know, an accusation, I really say, oh, maybe I'm wrong. Huh, how could I have done that differently? And this, this quality, I think, is only positive. I don't think that anyone should diminish their empathy to protect themselves against relationship abuse. But I say it because most people have empathy. So most people are vulnerable. And this is the vulnerability that abusers take advantage of. This, this empathy is the reason that most people stay. And this whole idea of why did they stay, why didn't they leave, it comes back to empathy because they have had their empathy turned against them where the person who they love or who they're in a relationship with is saying to them always, you're hurting me by dressing like that. You're hurting me by hugging that person. You're hurting me by not only hanging out with me all the time. You're hurting me. And so there's this feeling of like, oh my gosh, I'm causing them pain. So you have this like love connection with them through that feeling of they want something from me that they're not receiving. And I want to provide that to them because I love them, you know, but love is an emotion and it has nothing to do with a healthy relationship. And that's something that I did not know until my past relationship because the stories that were told growing up are that love conquers all. You fall in love with somebody, it's all going to work out in the end. Every rom-com I ever watched, they fall in love, there's a big conflict, and then happily ever after. But we don't actually see happily ever after, we just see the conflict resolution. So we don't know if there's another conflict and another resolution and another conflict and another resolution. But there probably is because that's more common in situations where conflict does exist in that way. Most of the time relationship abuse is a little fight, a period of peacefulness and joy because if something is negative and then there's positivity afterwards, it feels like a bigger high because you were just in such a low. So in a healthy relationship, it kind of like bumps along and everything is just great or good or positive and there's not these plummets down. But when there's a plummet down and you get back to that baseline of good, it doesn't feel like a baseline of good. It feels like a high. So you go back up to the high and then you bump along there for a while and then there's another low, another big conflict fight and then another time of positivity, which feels like a high. And so this is the cycle of abuse that keeps people maintaining because in media, relationship abuse is portrayed as constant fearfulness and violence. And in reality, usually there's a couple fights a year that slowly escalate over time. And as I explained in the episode about the hedonic treadmill, when these things continue on over time, if it happens gradually, our brains actually acclimate to it. 
No matter how bad things get, if it happens slowly, we perceive it as normal. So when you ask somebody, why did you say, why did you accept that for yourself? You are being a genuine asshole. So I just really wanted to hammer home the fact that this is not something that people accept. This is something that happens to people. And when we take that away from people, when we say you allowed this to happen to you, I think that may be one of the reasons why people get into back-to-back abusive situations because the statistics say if someone has been in an abusive relationship, they will be in another. And I think that this victimhood mentality, this, oh, I I accepted that, I don't know how to pick someone who's good, like that's perhaps the reason why these patterns persist and this blaming the victim, this this asking them, why did you stay? Why did you accept that for yourself? Why did you think that was okay? It just shows your ignorance to how the human mind works. So for the final moment of this podcast, I want to go over some things to be aware of in any relationship you enter into because no one ever thinks that they are entering into an abusive relationship to just keep an eye out for always in life and I think number one it's very unromantic but this is my number one piece of advice is to like go slow get to know the person before you place a story upon them that this is your person or you guys are in love or whatever the case may be really get to know them and their values and make sure that they perceive reality the same way that you do make sure that they are existing in the same world that you are and i think that this is really important because there's a lot of like, oh, opposites attract, but da 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 like you need variety in your life, and that's true, but you have to have variety existing in the same reality. You have to be seeing the same world through your eyes, and if that baseline isn't there, there are going to be so many times where you don't know if the conflict that's come up is real to them or if it's a manipulation. And I think that it's really important to stay grounded in your reality. And if you date someone who does not perceive reality the same way as you, just don't compromise your perception because there is no truth. There is no one world, but the world that you know is the world that you know. And if you start to lose a grip on that, you are going to lose all of your autonomy. Okay, the next thing I would say is get your friends and family's opinion. Make sure that you meet their friends and family and see how they interact. See if they have good, close relationships. See if they want you to meet their family. 
make sure that they have a good relationship with their family. Because this was also like an aspect for me was like, oh, you know, like I'm very lucky. I have a very close relationship with my family. I know that not everybody has that. My empathy came in and created that vulnerability because I knew that I was so blessed with my family situation and I knew that that was rare. That was another thing that exposed me to a misalignment of my perception. The third thing to look out for is conflicts. If there are a lot of things that you are doing wrong in their eyes, this may be a reason to walk away. I think that when we are accused of things, regardless of the validity, regardless of the topic, regardless of our perceptions, we want to be good. Like if you have empathy, if you don't have a social personality disorder, you want to be good. You want to not be the asshole. And I think that a lot of people, when they're out of a relationship that was abusive, they look back and they see that constantly there were these little things that they were doing wrong everything that you you can't you can't be perfect in an abusive relationship because if you are there's there's nothing for them to do there's there's no version of you that's good enough in an abusive relationship because to maintain power over you they have to make you feel less than they have to take that from you And so if there are fights all the time, if there are issues that your partner is always having with you, I would say that's definitely a red flag and something to be very aware of. And the last thing I would say is make sure that you're not changing. Regardless of if you perceive that it's your decision to change, if it's an early relationship and you see your personality changing, you see your personal relationships changing, I would say that is one of the number one reasons to cut and run. If you find that you have less friendships because your partner is asking you to hang out all the time with just them, your partner is uncomfortable with all of your friends, they find an issue with every single one of your friends. If your partner has no plans with you and then you make plans and then they're like, oh my gosh, but I had this magical evening surprise plan for us. And then you like, feel guilty and you cancel your your plans with your friends, like these are all reasons to cut and run because basically what they're trying to do is isolate you from your friends and family so they are the sun in your life. You orbit around them only and they basically own you. So I just kind of wanted to go all over all of these topics because I think it's such a misunderstood aspect of our society this may be our greatest public health epidemic and I think we all need to be way more conscious of what this experience actually is and questioning the way that the media portrays it to us because you are definitely interacting with people who have experienced relationship abuse. You will almost certainly encounter someone 
be it a coworker or a friend or a stranger on the street who is in an abusive relationship. And if you say the wrong thing to them, it could impact their life. So I just wanted to put this out there. I know that it's not a complete picture. I know that it's not a perfect representation, but that doesn't really exist. So I just wanted to throw out some bullet points and I hope you continue your own exploration of this topic. I hope you continue to educate yourself on these issues and proceed with compassion. All right. I love you so much. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode today. If you'd like to take a few seconds and leave me a rating and review, it would totally make my day. And if you'd like to see my work, you can find that at polarisjewelry.com.